I'm going to start us out this morning with a, a quote from Bill Johnson. And he says, if you're not overwhelmed by your assignment, you don't see your assignment. If you feel qualified, you haven't yet seen his will. What he intends to do with you is absolutely impossible for you. Let's just all say absolutely impossible together. Absolutely impossible. Yeah. Continuing the quote on the next screen, the only logical response to God's word is, I could never pull this off. Let's just say that one together. I could never pull this off. Yeah, the only logical response to God's word is, I could never pull this off. It's vitally important that impossibility is a regular part of our life. Otherwise, we're not living in faith. He puts us into the place of absolute dependency so that he can display himself to us as the God of the impossible. It is vital that impossibility is a regular part of our life. Otherwise, we're not living in faith. He puts us into the place of absolute dependency so that he can display himself to us as the God of the impossible. Let's just all say absolute dependency together. Absolute dependency. This is true. If we're not overwhelmed by the impossibility of what God has given us to do, um, then we don't yet know what, God, what it is that God is telling us to do. Mark 12.30 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. How many of you have honestly tried to do that? Yes. You sincerely mean your songs and your prayers and your intentions. How many of you have succeeded in loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Yeah, my hand's down too. How many of you think that the answer to that is to just try harder? Wrong answer. Keep your hands down. Trying harder will not lead us to loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We are absolutely dependent on God. So that's an awfully big, life-defining, eternity-defining command. Let's try something else. Let's look at Colossians 3. Maybe we can do this one on our own. You must forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you. You have to forgive everybody everything, just like Jesus. How many of you have honestly tried and you want to do that? How many of you have succeeded? Well, how about we just grit our teeth and try harder to forgive? No. You know that won't work. Does it work? It doesn't work. No. Trying harder is not the answer. What is the key to our success in obeying what God tells us we have to do? Jesus said it's the greatest command, that we love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that we must forgive in order to be forgiven ourselves. But trying harder isn't working. It doesn't work for me. I don't know anybody that it does work for. Let's see what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And so I will very gladly boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God says, my grace is sufficient for everything that you need to do, for all that you're facing, all that you need to conquer, all that you need to accomplish in life. 
to obey all my commands. My grace is sufficient for you, but my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Jesus said that to Paul. So Paul's response is, so I brag about how weak I am. I boast in my inability to do anything. How backward we get it in our religious mindset that I just got to be a better person, I got to try harder, grit my teeth, flex my muscles, and just be good. When Paul says, Jesus told me his strength is made perfect in weakness, so I started bragging about how weak I am. Because Matthew 5, 3, Jesus said, God blesses those who realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. The actual translation is, blessed are the poor in spirit, but the New Living Translation says, God blesses those who realize their need for him. Oswald Chambers wrote 100 years ago, until you realize you are absolutely destitute, God can do nothing with you. Let's just say that together, absolutely destitute, absolutely destitute. Until you realize you are absolutely destitute, God can do nothing with you. That's a big statement. That's absolutely and nothing. So, when we read in Mark 12, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, the honest response is, And the correct response is, I can't do that. I can't do that. Jesus, help. When we read in Colossians 3.13, that you must forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you, the honest response and the correct response is, I can't do that. Jesus, help. I cannot make myself love somebody more. I cannot make myself forgive. I can't get that done. So back to 2 Corinthians 12. This now I'm in the NIV. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. So nothing about Paul is false humility. He's not about victim mentality. He's not about woe is me, whiny baby, self-pity. I just can't do anything right. I'm a total failure at being a Christian. He's not saying we should talk like Eeyore. He's not talking about self-hatred. He's not talking about self-rejection. He is talking about actually delighting in his weakness. Like happiness, joy, fun, admitting I can't do this. So I'm here to recommend to you this morning that 
every time you read a command from God in here, that the first thing you think and say is, I can't do that. Probably never heard a preacher say that, huh? Because if your first response is, oh, yeah, I, I do that one just fine. Wrong answer. There is no scripture where when you stand before Jesus eye to eye and face to face on judgment day, and he says, oh, yeah, that thing about uh, for, forgiving, loving your enemies, um, yeah, you did that perfectly without my help. You, you nailed that one. Good job. He isn't going to say that. But if every time you read that, you said, Jesus, I'm having a really hard time with this. I'm not getting it done. Please help me. Then when you meet him eye to eye and face to face, he's going to say, good job. You called on me because I am the only one who can do that. And when you admit you're weak, then I am strong in you. And we got it done, didn't we? See how this works? If you refuse to admit that you can't obey it or that you are just are doing it perfectly, that you're just leaving that back in your shadow and ignoring it. And if your answer is when you hear read God's commands to just try harder, then that's then you're just you're just adding to your persona. It's gonna keep up my religious mask that I have everything together. That's just religion. We have to brag, we have to boast, not in any your way, not in any sort of false humility, not in self-rejection or self-hatred, but we've got to admit boldly when we screw up and that we can't, we can't get it right. So yesterday, a really cool thing happened in college football. So the Colorado Buffaloes only won one game last year. They were near the bottom of the rankings. They were a terrible team. And they, over the offseason, they hired Deion Sanders as their new head coach. Prime time. He is one of the best NFL players ever, but he is a trash-talking, swaggering, confident, loud, in-your-face guy. He gets hired. He's there in the upper left. He gets hired as Colorado's new coach and going from only winning one game last year they come out this season and they win their first three it's a Cinderella story he brought in 62 new scholarship players he's turning around the program but yesterday they come to Eugene and the Ducks trounce them 42 to 6 go Oregon and and Dion has to face his first loss as a coach and and, and all the media Cinderella story and all the accolades and all the swooning about this great new coach. And Dion at the press conference yesterday, he says, speaking about what the Ducks just did to him, he says, it's a good old-fashioned butt-kicking. No excuses, no nothing. We lost. You know what? About half the days of your life when you go to bed, you need to just admit, that was a good old-fashioned butt-kicking I got no excuses. I got nothing. The devil beat me up today. Well, there are some days when you can go to bed and you win. Like, whoa, yes, I did it right. I kept my mouth shut today. Jesus, can you believe that? I did it. Wow, I feel like I'm 10 foot tall and bulletproof. 
But probably half the days you're like, oh, dear Jesus. This is a good old-fashioned butt-kicking today. It is so important that we admit when we lose. Nobody likes the coaches that come out after the game to the press conference and make excuses. The quarterbacks cannot come out and blame their linemen. Hello? If at the end of your day you make excuses for how it went and you justify and you minimize, that's not you boasting in your weakness. But when you do, just admit, oh man, I really just, I messed it up today. That did not work. I'm sorry, Jesus. Then his strength is there. His strength is made perfect in weakness because if you're honest that you, you, you missed the mark, you did not score that touchdown today, then he can and you can honestly address the game plan for tomorrow. But if I minimize and justify and excuse myself and argue with my husband or wife or my parents about why I wasn't wrong, then you're just going to do the same thing again tomorrow and you keep losing and never admit it. But if you will admit you lost, you will eventually win. His strength is made perfect in weakness. So let's go back to 2 Corinthians. Paul says, I boast in my weakness. I'm glad to admit my failings, my weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, that the power of Christ may rest on me. Notice that thus admitting our weakness is not the end of the story. Because there's never an excuse not to obey God. There's never an excuse to disobey or to just ignore what God says to do. We are admitting our weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in us so that we can get it done. So that we can score the touchdown and win the day. Not have the devil kick our butt. Those who ask Jesus for help, that's actual faith and obedience. And that is success. Weakness is never an excuse to disobey. It's never an excuse to justify why I failed. But notice in here that we have a part and Jesus has a part. We both have a part in the Lord's will happening. If, if I had no part in it, then it would be a promise from God, not a command. Hello. If I had no part in it, it would be God just making a promise. But it's a command. But it's a command that's impossible for me to do so that I have to turn to Jesus in faith and say, I can't do this except by your grace. And then he works it in us. And then we succeed. Larry Randolph says God is obligated to fulfill his promises, but he's not obligated to fulfill our potential. And Bill Johnson says this thing is always about partnership. God will not take over and do things himself, nor does he expect you to do it on your own. Any command is always an invitation to partnership. God does nothing in your life without you, and you can't do anything in your life without him. It's an invitation to partnership. 
So our part is to admit and even delight in our inability. And then his part is to send the power. And then our part is to obey with that power. And then his part is to bring the fruit. And then his, our part is to fall on our knees and fall on our face and say, Jesus, it's all yours. You did it all. So when you read a command of scripture, what I'm suggesting to you this morning is that you say out loud to yourself and to God, I can't do this. I can't do that. But all things are possible with God. Five times the Bible says all things are possible with God or nothing is impossible with God. I can't do this. But all things are possible with God, so I have no excuse. Help, Jesus. Help. And by your grace, I will obey. That's what I present to you this morning as our response of faith when we read a command like, you have to forgive everybody of everything. I can't do that, God. But I have no excuse because there's nothing impossible with you. So clearly I can do this with your help. I will obey. Amen? Y'all should be smiling big. So, Luke 6. Jesus says, Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you. Cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven. Jesus says, Be exceedingly happy, leap for joy, when people falsely accuse you, reject you, exclude you. Our response is, I can't do that. All of us together, I can't do that. But, all things are possible with God, so I have no excuse. Help, Jesus, and by your grace I will obey. See how this works? Y'all are smiling already. You get it. It's working. It's already working. Next scripture. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. One translation says, count it pure joy. I can't do that. I can't do that. I cannot drum up pure joy when I'm being mistreated. I can't just turn a key in my heart and unlock pure joy. But I know someone who is pure joy. So I have no excuse to disobey this verse just because I can't do it. Help, Jesus. By your grace, I will obey. After last Sunday, I had two people. I was talking last Sunday about um, rejoicing in our troubles, praising the Lord with our hands tied. If you weren't here last Sunday, please go to YouTube, SoundCloud and listen to last Sunday. I think it's one of the more important sermons in this series. Um, it's talking about rejoicing while we're in prison, like Paul and Silas. I had two people come to me and said, well, I can't. I can't make myself have feelings. One said, I can't make myself have feelings. And the other said, that feels fake. Yes. <laughs> Correct. You cannot make yourself have feelings, and yes, it will feel fake. But you're fake anyway. <laughs> Come on. When you go out in public, you put on a smile, and you're in the store or 
at work or whatever, you don't let everybody see you cry. There are some people that you do. You're fake anyway. So rejoice. I mean, go all the way. Don't just be fakely stoic. Rejoice. Steve Backlund says rejoice by faith. It's not fake. You can rejoice by faith in the same way that you love by faith. Come on, you all know there are people you do not want to to love. But you do because you have to. And if you're really doing that right, it does change your heart. If you're doing it with a grumbling, unthankful attitude, you're not obeying God in the first place. But if there's somebody you really have a hard time with, but because of Jesus, you honestly treat them well, and you're doing your best to be patient, you're doing that by faith, rejoice by faith. I guarantee you, if you will obey Jesus in leaping for joy, I mean, get in, close your curtains in your living room and jump around to some praise music, you, it won't be two minutes and you will be smiling. If nothing more in sheer embarrassment about how silly you look, but you will be praising God. You really will. It will put a smile on your face. So rejoice by faith. And the, joy, the feelings will come. Matthew 5.44, I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I know that all of you who know that verse and you know Jesus for real, you honestly want to do that. I know you do. I do. But I can't do that. I have some pretty hot feelings about my enemies and those who curse me and hate me. But that's not an excuse because all things are possible with whom? All things are possible with God, so I have no excuse. Help, Jesus. By your grace, I will obey. Paul says, I brag about how weak I am and that I can't do it so that the power of Jesus rests on me so I can do it. You can love your enemies. You can bless those who curse you and do good to those who hate you. And you can pray for those who have persecuted you. But only by the power of the Spirit of Jesus. Well, let's see what's next. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee sexual immorality. I can't do that. Some of you may be successful at this one. There are a lot of people, probably mostly guys, but some women in the room who you don't run away from it, you run to it. Or you're dragged kicking and screaming, but you still go. We're just going to all say it together. So I don't want to shame anybody, but there's a bunch of people that need to say, I can't do that. I can't do that. But all things are possible with God. So I have no excuse. Help me, Jesus. By your grace, I will obey. Come on, guys. You know gritting your teeth and trying harder isn't going to help. Calling on Jesus is going to help. Surrendering, admitting 
I got my butt kicked last night. Jesus, I am so sorry. I genuinely, honestly want to change. That's where the power of Jesus is. It isn't in just flexing to be a better person. Hebrews 13.5, don't covet money or possessions. Be satisfied with what you have. Be satisfied with what you have. I can't do that. We live in a sewer of advertising that is designed to make us covet after other stuff. We're we are continually manipulated to be dissatisfied. It's called advertising. Jesus says, be satisfied with what you have. I can't do that. But, what? All things are possible with God, so I have no excuse. Help, Jesus. By your grace, I will obey. I will be satisfied. I will stop buying more junk. Well, let's just see what comes up next. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. How many of you do that one successfully? Nobody. So what's, what do we need to admit? I can't do that. But all things are possible with God, so I have no excuse. Help, Jesus. By your grace, I will obey. I will pray continually, but only by the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that some of you pray hours a day, and some of you don't pray five minutes in a week. Some of you are living in this, but all of us still must boast in our weakness because there's nobody that's doing this perfectly. Some people have proclivities to this sin or that, but, or this spiritual gift or that, but, but we all need to boast in our weaknesses at every command of God. Next one. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander. I can't do that. I try to keep my mouth shut. I try to say nice things. Come on, all of us, yes. Come on. So let's just say it together. I can't do that. But all things are possible with God. Believe it or not, it is possible for you to keep your mouth shut. Not be full of anger and rage and harsh words. So help, Jesus. Help us, Lord. And by your grace, we will obey. Next one. Ephesians 6, 2, honor your father and mother. I can't do that. Don't worry if your parents in the room. They already know you're not doing it well. Some of you, you would say, well, I have really great parents, and it is easy for me to honor them. Yeah, but don't stop there. Call on the name of Jesus and do it better. Some of you are like, there is absolutely no way, there is nothing I could honor my dad about, or your mom, whatever the situation might be. That's not true. It's true in you, but it's not true in Jesus. He, if you will admit your weakness at obeying this verse, his power will come on you and you will he will remind you of things and ways you can honor your mother and father 
and by his grace, he will give you the strength to do it, to make the phone call, send the card, ask the apology, offer the forgiveness that you can't do, but he can. But it begins with admitting our weakness. I can't just try harder, and all of a sudden I'm going to have butterflies and rainbows about my parents. So, honor your father and mother. I can't do that. But, all things are possible with God. So, I have no excuses. Help Jesus. By your grace, I will obey. Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives just like Jesus. All the married men said, I can't do that. Don't worry about sitting next to your wife. She already knows you're not doing it. She already knows. She's all married men. I can't do that. But all things are possible with God. So I have no excuse. Help Jesus. By your grace, I will obey. All right. Next one. Let the wife see that she respects her husband. All right, married women, go for it. <laughs> Don't worry that he's sitting next to you. He already knows. <laughs> All right, his grace is sufficient. Next one. James 1.27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. I can't do any of that. I want to go help the widow lady down my street, and I have a few times, but then I won't think about her for three months because I'm too busy. And there are kids needing foster care. There are kids in drug houses. There, there are kids everywhere that need a lot of help. And Jesus' people are too busy and selfish to help out. The answer is not to beat yourself up for being selfish. The answer is to admit that you are being. And his grace will follow you. And to keep myself unspotted from the world, turning the radio on and I'm spotted. I can't do that. But all things are possible with God. So I have no excuse. Help Jesus. By your grace, I will obey. Next one. You shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. I cannot do that one. Come on, Jesus. What do you expect? It's so easy and so much fun and so infuriating. I cannot do that one. But I have no excuse because all things are possible with God. Help Jesus. By your grace, I will obey. We will obey. Your faces are lovely right now. <laughs> this is so much fun. Next one. Luke 14, you cannot be my disciple without giving up everything you own. 
I can't do that. But I have no excuse because all things are possible with God. Help, Jesus. By your grace, I will obey. Amen. And one more. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I can't do that one. But I have no excuse because all things are possible with God. Help me, Jesus. And by your grace, I will obey. Amen. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we see that your commands actually are supernatural. We do not have the wisdom or the strength or the wherewithal or the wisdom or the patience or the love to just grit our teeth and try harder and succeed. Thank you that you gave us the key to succeeding in obeying our Heavenly Father and that it is just to admit that we are weak and that we can't so that the power of Christ may dwell on us. Lord, forgive us for being scared to confess to you. You have proven yourself so faithful and patient and forgiving and loving and you didn't withhold one drop of blood. Knowing who we were, when we were your very enemies, you died for us. How would more, even more will you not accept our confession, our admission that we have failed, that we got beat in the game today? Thank you for being so gentle and kind and patient. Thank you that you have all the power we need to successfully obey God's word. You've given it all there. And it's not in just trying harder. It's in surrender. So just admitting that we can't do this, that we need you, and that you provide the power, and then the success and obedience happens. Lord, forgive us for being afraid. Forgive us for putting on a better face. Every time we hear a sermon, we just put more makeup on the mask and think I'll try harder when I get home and then by Sunday night, we forgot the sermon anyway. You're not asking us to try harder. You're not asking us to find the wisdom and the strength in ourselves. 
but to surrender to you, to admit, to admit that we can't do it, and to call on your name, and then you provide the power, and we see victory. We see freedom, we see deliverance, we see healing, we see freedom from years and decades of bondage and habits and things that we could not defeat. You defeat in us. When we just admit, I can't do this. Jesus, I need you. You be my Savior. 